Hello and welcome to Mount Rushmore. Usually in this spot, there's an introduction of a new topic that we're going to discuss. But let me replay the tail end of the last episode of Mount Rushmore. Flashback. Let's double or nothing. This is a two-round game. All right, so uh, tune in we next need a, week. We need, a, we need a nerd. So we're going to do... Or a geek or uh, maybe a dork. So we're doing dorks next week. Dorks next week. Hey. Fictional dorks. We got our fictional cool people. We can't do real dorks because there'd be three uh, choices <laughs> right here in this room. Okay, so maybe in this... Uh, this uh, these bookends of Mount Rushmore podcast, we're going to both entertain what it is to be cool and what it is to be a dork. So we'll see you in the next episode where we're going to leave this uh, leave you hanging on this cliff to find out who got more points in this. Cool okay, guy. so you heard from what I said and we said at the end of the last episode of Mount Rushmore podcast, in which we talked about fictional cool guys that we are going to talk about. This episode, fictional dorks, fictitious dorks, dorky nerd dorks. Is there a difference between dorks and nerds? Are we talking huge, about dorks? Huge difference. Oh, yeah. Giant, uh, sure, yeah. I mean, you okay. can be a nerd and still even be cool, as we discussed yeah. with, in, Chris Knight. with Chris Knight in okay. the previous episode. You cannot be a dork and cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we also discussed that there might be kind of two sides to that same coin and that they are the yin and yang and they need each other so maybe somebody's the uh, lyman or the coconut or the chocolate or the peanut butter so uh uh richard you said lyman i did did you mean like from garfield or did you mean like frankie lyman do you remember there was the um (laughs) i kind of started with lyman because there was a lemon lime never mind never mind no, like continue. Weird. Please continue. <laughs> there was a lemon. There was a sprite campaign. Sure, for a of course. That had a lemon yeah, yeah. and a lime smashed. I just like that the three of us each had our own our own take on what <laughs> lime could possibly be, and mine was the dorky, uh, you know, owner of Odie before it went to John Arbuckle, <laughs> and mine was a fifties uh, pop singer who wound up becoming a, a like drug addict, drug addict, I think That's murderer. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yours well, was just fruit. Mine was with some <laughs> stupid, some dumb commercial because I'm dumb. Uh, so, Richard, why don't you start us off? You come out swinging with your first dork. Well, I, 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 I'm not going to be swinging my dork, Jeff. <laughs> God bless us all. I'm glad it's not just his first one and his second one because then you got to get that looked at. Yeah, you've, you've got multiple dorks. You should go, go see a proctologist. My first pick um, is from a movie that we discussed last week. It is... Uh, Eugene from Greece. Oh, wow. Oh. Who really only has like two lines in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and they're both when he's throwing a pie at Sid Caesar's face <laughs> and manages to like nail him perfectly. Um, you should go out for the baseball team. You should have. I'm better than Danny Zuko doing it. I, I could imagine that. Was he the first nerd named Eugene, do you think? Might have been up there. Yeah. I mainly, it, 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 as much as I want to talk about the character, I kind of want to talk about the person who plays him, mm-hmm. Eddie Deason. Eddie Deason. Who, I think when you think of, think of a nerdy character in your mind. It's Eddie Deason. That's the yeah. face that you think of. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of Fred, like the Fred Olin Ray movies. He's mm-hmm. always the, the nerd in those mm-hmm. kind of cult, bad, so bad they're good mm-hmm. movies. Um, 1941? Might have been him. Was yeah. he in 1941? Yeah. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah, nerdy character. Yeah, and did a lot of voice work. He did, uh, was it Mandrake? The uh, antagonist to Dexter in Dexter's Laboratory. Oh, wow. So a lot of, did, has done a lot of voice work. Mm-hmm. And someone who's just, you think about it, he's just made a career out of yeah. just being Eugene yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. And seems like kind of a, to be generous, a, a lovable dork in real life. Yeah. He's, he's Eugene the same way that... Um, Bowser will always be Bowser from uh, Sha Na Na. 
Yeah. In this, he, he will always forever be that greaser guy. Uh, in no matter, like he's not going to ever be cast in something right. else. Before Grease, he did. I want to hold your hand. And he was... He's a giant Beatles nerd. Yeah. And in real life, he writes for Mental Floss. Right. He writes a lot of articles about huh. the Beatles. Yeah, he is like, he's been featured in documentaries as being one of the biggest Beatles fans like in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, and knower of Beatles trivia. Yeah. At one yeah. point on his personal website, he would post ridiculously difficult Beatles questions. Oh, wow. And offer someone $100 if they could answer it. And apparently no one ever did. Wow. And he's like, total trivia guy he can like baseball and all kinds of random pop culture Mm -hmm. is he the counter to one thing we discussed was the so listeners uh, go to the show notes for last week's episode where we discussed who fictional cool guys but the fictional cool guy who's counter to um eugene in greece is is who that'd be danny zuko that'd be danny zuko it does does eugene have a journey or is he just he's, he ner- he's just kind of background nerd? Yeah, background nerd. And they kind of like <laughs> they kind of like um, wind up harassing him a little bit, kind of playfully mm-hmm. in the hallway in one scene. Yeah. Hey, Eugene, and they kind of muss up his hair yeah. and stuff like that. And mainly, he's just in the background to kind of give nerdy reactions and uh, just sort of be a dork. Yeah. And he's one of the first like dork characters I could think of. And again, mm. Eddie Deason is just pers- yeah. dork personified. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, Michael, what is your first choice? Um, you mentioned Eugene's, and I'm going to talk about Eugene Levy oh, as nice. Jerry Flick. <laughs> Jerry Fleck. Incredible. Jerry Fleck, Fleck uh, from Best in Show, the Christopher Guest movie wow. about um, yeah. dogs and dog shows. And he plays a character who is so dorky and is so inept. <laughs> you, I really had to like dig down into, you know, I had to... You had to do that like kind of Venn diagram thing of like, okay, what is a nerd? Yeah. What is a geek? What is a dork? And be like, okay, mm-hmm. focus on a dork. Focus on yeah. someone who is kind of inept socially, who doesn't really know that he's out of place or mm-hmm. kind of does, or is just kind of like dealing with that ineptness, dealing with being not necessarily super bright. Like he's not like a super nerd, but he's not like really into one thing. He's like, he kind of found his way into being married to this woman. Yeah. And who slept with everybody on the planet. <laughs> right. And he is the exact opposite of all of the other men that, you know, throughout the movie, they meet all these other boyfriends of hers and they're all like these obnoxious, bigger, yeah. bald men yeah. who are kind of aggressive. And he's this meek, literally too left footed. Literally yeah. too left footed. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> Two left footed. That's one of the best parts in the movie. They're just sitting there and they pant down to his feet and he's wearing these dumb, these dumb loafers. And he, you know, Eugene Levy plays this character so well of being so beaten up. Yeah. By like he's just in a situation in life where he's going to this dog show because that's what his wife and him are into, and he doesn't really know how to walk the dog. And they get to the hotel and they don't have any money. They don't have any money. And like he tries to put on a credit card and. <laughs> the credit card's maxed out, so yeah. they're living it. So they they're staying in the closet, in the closet. right? But the, he has like this great redemption, redemptive quality at yeah. the end, where you know, uh, Cookie, his wife, her knee goes out, and he has to walk their dog Winky. Yeah. Not exactly sure how her knee. I mean, it's the like most over the top lame like knee going out thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> She's just she her knee goes akimbo and she yeah. trips over something. <laughs> It's such a Catherine O'Hara moment, which is wobbling and falling. Who did that? 
<laughs> did someone put that there? Who, who did that? And then, and then he has to step up in a way that you know he's never in his life. Mm-hmm. He's always been this seemingly beaten down, hapless dork. Yeah. And then, and then he triumphs. Be, and, and then, you know, the smile on his face at the end is just like, it's pure bliss and yeah. you can't believe it. And like, you know, at the end of the movie, they cut back and he's being <laughs> cuckled again. <laughs> kind of humiliated. Right. <laughs> back to normal. Right. Back to back to life. One of my favorite moments is an interaction between him and John Michael Higgins where he says something like, you must be proud, Mary. When, yeah. When right. <laughs> Stefan is wearing, they're at like their meet and greet. Yeah. Stefan is wearing like a name badge that says Mary because he's like, yeah. he's the gay uh, dog walker. Is Stefan from SNL named after Stefan? Oh, oh maybe. Well, it does is a confrontation between <laughs> and, the person with the most confidence and the least confidence. They're looking. They're looking at like his 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 uh, black leather pants with this, all this ridiculous red thread. Yeah. He's like, he's like, it took me like twelve hours to do it, and he's like, you must be proud, Mary. Yeah. And he's so, he's so proud of yeah. himself, self proud. But it's just yeah. like it's great. And John Michael Higgins' response is just so wonderful because he doesn't demean him. He says, "Who are you all of a sudden?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most amazingly warm and wonderful embrace to somebody who just made a joke. So. Whenever, whenever we're packing for like a trip or anything, I always think of his line of like, "And how many komodos do you need?" Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. we're going to be here for like a day and a night. <laughs> right. So he's like, "So three. <laughs> uh, that's um, a great choice. Couple of things about this pick, and I love this pick. One, I was watching some SCTV the other day, and it was amazing to me how Eugene Levy would often play the cool guy yeah. on those, in a lot of the skits. Yeah. You know, a lot of times he would play like you know, Bobby Bittman. Yeah. Was that him? Didn't he play on Bobby this, Bittman? On the Sammy Modlin show. The Sammy Modlin show. Yeah. Or was he Sammy Modlin? I can't remember. I think Flaherty was Sammy Modlin. Yeah, and he's like Bobby Bittman. Yeah. But a lot of times he would play like... As a comic in all series. <laughs> all series in those books. He would wind up a lot of the times playing like the cool, like if they need a leading man type. Uh-huh. A lot of times he would do that role. But then yeah. he could also do like... Earl Camembert. Yeah. 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 The ultimate, by the way, I did not put him on, but in hindsight would have been an incredible choice here. But then just at some point in his career, he just became like, he became the schlep in all these like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Christopher uh, guest movies. Yeah. Christopher guest movies. And so I just think it's remarkable that he he was able to kind of pull that off. And I just, yeah, he did do a couple things where he would be a singer like Gino Vanelli or he, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the handsome leading guy. He was in a weird buddy cop movie too before this in like yeah. the mid eighties with John Candy. Candy? Oh, I Armed know. and dangerous. Yes. That sounds like about that. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or he's kind of like the cool guy. <laughs> and John Candy's the dork. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so yeah, this, what's, what's neat about this is we do get to put a finer point on our definition. Um, a geeks maybe have an awareness and can actually leverage the currents of cool currency of coolness at some point dorks will always let that fall through their hands they will never if they were ever accidentally to become cool like when the dog show a day later they're going to blow it somehow and be back down a pick the way i've always like looked at the difference between like nerds geeks and dorks is nerds are just hyper intelligent people and there can be a lot of other attributes that are kind of put on them like in revenge of the nerds uh the main characters are like crazy overconfident yeah. But they're like just super smart, but also kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, geeks tend to be hyper focused on one particular thing, yeah. uh, whether it's like Star Wars or uh-huh. always Star Wars or probably right. most likely Star Wars, <laughs> Star Trek as well. And then dorks tend to be like fall into like this third category of just being so like 
clueless and dopey, and you're just like, oh man, look at this dork. Yeah, <laughs> this dork. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Richard, what's your second? Uh, my second choice is, and uh, this may blow up just what based on what you said. I don't necessarily agree with all your no, uh, choices, by the way, but um, I will, I will say this, like looking this up and thinking about this, I'm okay with whatever, right? Because it is a Venn diagram and things do cross over and there are attributes amongst like the nerdy, geeky, dorky realm that are like sometimes too hard to peg down. And sometimes right. if you're being too much of an a-hole about it, then you're just an a-hole. Then you're the dork. You're, maybe you're the dork. Then you're like the geek who's like obsessed with, with oh, well, that guy is not actually a dork. He's a nerd, so I hate oh, you yeah. now. So Don't be that guy. Yeah. Okay, so my You're sec- not persecuted. You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Right. So my second choice is Brian from The Breakfast Club, played by Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, oh my gosh. This was, this was an amazing... Okay, sorry. Why, oh, no, no, go ahead. Choose <laughs> because I Jeff knew Jeff... Is, I Jeff knew. is so happy. Oh, my God. I got to shut up. No, I got to shut up. Um, I chose him because he was like the arch typical sort of like high school eighties. Yeah. Ner- okay, I'll be honest with you. I chose him because he's Anthony Michael Hall in the eighties. Mm. Yeah. And I had to choose an Anthony Michael Hall character from the eighties. I felt like it would just you couldn't not do it. And Oops. you could and you couldn't choose him from uh, Sixteen Candles when he was known as the Geek. And also, yeah, <laughs> also kind of rapey in that movie too. Yeah, it's not cool. And what? then r- Weird Science, he's kind of got the the cool guy. He turns into a cool guy by the end. Maybe he's got all three. In Weird Science, he's a nerd. In uh. 16 Candles, he's, he's a geek, geek and, and maybe here's, and a, here's dork. a dork. Yeah, what? Hmm. Triple crown. He hit the triple crown. Nailed it. Okay. And, and then and then he played uh, in Johnny B. Good. A jock. The, the jock. See, and, and Edward Scissorhands, the jock. Yeah. That's what was my betrayal at the hands of Anthony Walker Hall. Because <laughs> you were... You were the exodus uh, leading all the geeks and nerds like in Weird Science. He, he as, as Gary, you know, he was just like... One of the nerdiest nerds there, and right. it was this guy who I could kind of relate to, and then he fucking turned into this dumb shit. He puts on shot. thirty pounds of muscle and grows it's four so inches. Weird. Does a bunch of steroids and it, like yeah. He pulled a piscopo. Remember oh, when he did, he did, yeah. was like funny and he did impersonations. He did Sinatra and stuff. Yeah, Sinatra. You know, I think he always had a little bit of a swagger, but he was never cool. You know, he was anything. like Eddie Murphy's best friend. Yeah. That and was then, his professional job. Boom. He, for some reason, I think, like I read somewhere, I think he got a nose job or something. He started having to do steroid for his, some surgery. Right. And sure. And so he started uh-huh. to, uh, taking steroid and being buff. Like, what the hell? Like, he turned into Vince McMahon, basically. That's, that's also, like, nerds, geeks, dorks, they're often one thing, funny. They often have a outlook on life that's comedic, basically as a survival technique, because right. they're getting pounded all the time. So... When the when the funny nerd becomes the jock, come on! Yeah, it's terrible. It's like it's like when Dylan went electric. You're betraying your <laughs> Judas. You you you're betraying your your flock. Okay. I uh, so I in, don't know how to follow that up. Yeah, in Breakfast Sorry, Club. What, what, what did he do? Anything in particular as the character? You know, what? I think the part of it is because in a lot of these roles we're talking about. The kind of dork character, geek character, nerd, whatever, mm-hmm. um, is just kind of shown, and sometimes they get beat up, or sometimes people make fun of them. But they're just kind of this, this character who just a lot of times it's like, well, I don't care what other people think about me. I'm just kind of focused on my one thing, and it kind of showed like, no, these are actual people, and they get upset, and then things bother them, and sometimes they get mad because there's too much pressure on them. And sometimes they bring a flare gun to school. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and you said most of the time these characters are very funny. 
Yeah. Brian's character is not funny. He just doesn't, he's a character who just doesn't get anything about what's going on around him until he starts kind of loosen up, you know, once yeah. he gets stoned, basically. Mm-hmm. But I think that's partially why I picked this character because it's a little bit of, it, it was part of the genius of, of the movie, The Breakfast Club, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of just showed that these, what could have been just real stock stereotype characters were actually like real people who had real emotions. Um, who had motivations for why they did things and things affected them. Yeah. So it wasn't just kind of the 16 candles. Oh, mm-hmm. let's make fun of him because he's a geek and he's the geek. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like a comedic. Yeah. This, this, this in a high school rom-com, the established archetypes served a foundational role that, that, then the plot took those archetypes and made something fun happen. Right. This just stuck them all in a room and said, there's not going to be any plot. We're just going to skewer these archetypes and determine that they're all bogus. And right. They're all just people. So. I do appreciate the fact that at the end of the movie, the, of the five characters, four of the five have paired off. Mm-hmm. Brian is stuck without a girlfriend <laughs> yeah, still. Yeah. Michael, what's your second? My second is uh, Seymour Krellborn from Little oh, Shop of Horrors. Oh, that's so good. I just saw a high Speaking school of SCTV. <laughs> I just saw a high school production of this on f- Friday, this oh, really? Friday night. Yeah, that's wild. Really? Yeah, pretty pretty awesome. How the, So the the kid playing the uh, Seymour character? Yeah. Well, rivaling Rick Moranis, who Moranis himself like has been cultivating that, that identity his entire career, yeah. you know? Uh, but this kid does such a great job. And what was funny and what made him a dork Mm-hmm. is he didn't even have the audacity to dream big. Like he and Audrey, as part of the banal the banality of their dreams of going somewhere green. Yeah, going, just getting getting just off a skid row. Getting out of skid row. Uh, you know, he when he, they ask him what he would love to do, like, oh my gosh, you know, his his Faustian bargain is that he will give lectures at gardening clubs and those things. He he doesn't want a jet plane. He doesn't want to you know do all this amazing stuff. He just he's a schlep who even when he dreams big, it's still, does not dream it's big still at all. Schleppy. He was just this uh, this character that is clumsy. He's not bright. He's not he's he has this dead end job that is just literally killing him. It's selling yeah. almost dead flowers at times uh, in the worst part of town and just. That his only his only speck of light is that possible future with this woman that is just never gonna get yeah. with him because he can one he's she's you know in this abusive relationship yeah. with the dentist they're, character they're all damaged goods yeah everybody <laughs> but then he, and you know he can never work up the audacity to ask her out and then when it does it kind of goes wrong yeah. and she's already with someone else and mm-hmm. you know it takes an alien plant from outer space <laughs> to kind of break the mold yeah. and. Uh, I just I, this was one of my favorite movies growing up, and I just loved all the performances from him and Steve Martin and the you know the oh, yeah. big Audrey plant itself yeah. was just wild. But he's another one that kind of actually does change by the end. He does take on more of a hero role, even though he's kind of an awful person yeah. through half of it. You yeah. know, he's he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to solve his problem other than by chopping up people yeah. and feeding it to this plant. The, the plant doesn't kill the bad guy. He kills the bad... Well, the bad guy kills himself through nitrous overdose. Is that right? I forget. <laughs> I uh, but he doesn't stop him, so they, yeah, he's there for yeah, no, doesn't, 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 uh, doesn't he wind up killing 
uh, oh, the Steve in, Martin character? In the musical, he dies inadvertently because he has some kind of... Or, or maybe it's the high school version. He over, overdies on, on nitrous. Maybe he switched to a really nitrous. weird high school <laughs> play. So. I don't know. Cause the, but there's like a big difference between like the musical and then the movie the version. Ending the ending is completely different, different right? Mm. But he is a proto-dork. Yeah. Yeah. And he is perfectly manipulated by this plant. And he is also aspiring to... He has he has what a lot of dorks do, including myself, which is somewhat of kind of a knight in shining armor complex. And then he wants to rescue this fallen woman who is Audrey, yeah, <laughs> who was formerly a uh, a waitress in a tawdry nightclub where she didn't wear classic clothes like the one she wears in the in the show. Anybody who can be bossed around by a plant, it's a dork. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I had a boss who was a uh, fern for a while, but that's <laughs> different story. We are halfway, so in a way, this is kind of us going into the fourth quarter because this is a special two-parter. The last episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast, we dealt with um, iconic cool guys, and this episode, we're dealing with iconic dorks. So we're seeing that sometimes there are two sides of the same coin. And last time, we talked about how cool it was that you, the listener, are able to go onto the Facebook and the Instagram and the um, Netflix. Are we on Netflix? Uh, we got a deal coming we out. We got a so, deal coming out. Yeah. Stranger Things season two. All we can do is chill. All we can not Netflix. There's no, there's no Netflix. Just chill. We have to chill until our uh, Netflix gets picked up. Yeah, but you can join us in the dialogue by going on I Facebook. do hope they read that email that I sent them. So Com- nice. complain- Netflix. <laughs> complaining about uh, the episode that kind of that wouldn't play. And, yeah. kind of got, and, and also included, P.S., please pick us up. On please, also, please pick us up. Well, you know what? Just put us on the DVDs. I know, I know nobody gets those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> will be the DVDs. Uh, you know what I usually say here. I say download, rate, and review our podcasts that are out on iTunes. It really would help us identify a broader audience if you let people know what you like or what you don't like about this podcast. So we are back. Who's next? Richard. This would be me. Richard. And my third choice is William Miller from Almost Famous. Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, nice. Kind of the music dork mm-hmm. uh-huh. so um he is in the movie basically a doppelganger for uh or a stand-in i guess for uh cameron, uh, cameron crow himself who was a teen hotshot music writer for rolling stone magazine um so it's kind of loosely based on on cameron crow's life and i think what's interesting about this character in the movie is that his lack of coolness sort of ends up shading the rest of the movie and his interactions with the rock stars that he's around, the, the guys from Stillwater and the, mm-hmm. and the Band-Aid groupies that, that he's around. For the big start of the movie, when uh, his big sister, played by Zoe Deschanel, winds up taking off, she gives him all of her music and says, one day you'll be cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like right away we have established... That he's not cool. He is not cool. Yeah. Um, but the music is going to, you know... Music becomes this outlet and this bridge for him to uh, try try to find some sort of inner coolness or something within him. But then he winds up spending most of the movie trying to kind of I don't know latch on to to whatever makes rock stars cool, whatever makes the people who are around them cool, hmm. and it kind of compromises because he's sent there to write the, that art the article about Span Stillwater, and he winds up basically becoming too friendly with him and can't write the article the way it should be written because he's kind of buying into mm-hmm. the cool factor. 
It was like Lester Bangs kind of cautioning him. On yeah, this. Lester Bang tells him if you want to be friends with him, you know, write something honest. Yeah. And there's a line that he has in there. He said, even when I was, even when I was being cool with them, I always knew that I wasn't cool. Mm. Yeah. So it's like that sort of you take a dork and you put him into these really cool. God, wouldn't it be great if you were in the '70s and you got to tour with all the, you know, go around with a, you know, big rock band and be with them while they're partying and with all the groupies. But deep down inside, he's still a not cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it takes him sort of recognizing that and kind of being okay with that that allows him to actually write the story the right way and be able to find kind of his inner voice. As adults, you often do that thing where you think, if I could travel back in time and talk to my younger, uh, uncool self yeah. and teach him how, how to be cool, then you'd be cool back then. But then, you know, in your teenage years, you're often outcast and you're often kind of a dork and you're often... You would even if you had this this life lesson from yourself, you would still be unable to process it because you're still a dork. Yeah, or be able to act on it correctly. Yeah, that yeah. Like whatever it is that you would tell yourself, you really should act like this and do this. But you're so, you you're, wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. You'd be acting, pretending that you're doing it. In a lot of ways, that's what what William is doing mm-hmm. in the movie. He's pretending a lot of ways to kind of have the pose of being cool or trying to get the cool that's around him. And eventually, it's. That's not who he is. Yeah. It does seem like a lot of these uh, stories about dorks or cool guys are set in some kind of institution and sometimes one within one. If we think of uh, Days and Confuse, it was baseball team within high school. So, right. And uh, William is going into rock and roll music. Jerry Fleck was in this dog show. There's These people are trying to succeed in the eyes of this institution when individualization is really the ultimate goal and when you can go into that world where you're comfortable being yourself and not just trying to be the cog that fits into this giant machinery that's when your identity becomes singular and people might look up to you because right. you're doing something interesting yeah i and mean you're a 14 year old writer for rolling stone i mean my god that yeah cool? <laughs> that's not, not the coolest thing ever but it's interesting to me that he doesn't at the end of the movie it's not like he goes on this journey and becomes cool it's almost like the opposite. He has to go on this journey to realize who he is. And if that person's not cool, quote, yeah. air quotes, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Well, that's, a neat, that's a neat choice because it also puts out that thing of what uh, we've talked about some individuals who escort us into through the trials and identity crises of, of adolescence. But here, music is that escort. Yeah, it's not a, not a person. It's not his mom. It's, yeah. it's music. Uh-huh. And, and I, it, think, I think for us, I mean, we're all music. As, as evidenced by our 90-minute episodes on music yeah, anytime yeah. we do it. Never never quite gotten that long, but... <laughs> Pretty close. Felt yeah. like it. Maybe felt like it a few times. Well, once we edited out 30 minutes of us just uh, singing. Playing guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Hand me that guitar over there, Michael, by the way. <laughs> Hand me the axe. The, what is the scene when they're in the plane and uh, they think it's going down? Oh, yeah. They think they, 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 they're sure the plane's going to crash and yeah. they start singing Tiny Dancer. Yeah. So everybody's kind of music is kind of going on there while everybody kind of loses their fucking cool. The rock stars and everyone and they started bidding all the yeah. secrets they yeah. got like one of them's gay or yeah. something. And <laughs> yeah, it is funny that the the armor comes off at that moment. Exactly, music is uh, Elton John's the backdrop for it. Michael, uh, my third choice is Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Oh, that's funny. Who's another 13, 14 year old adolescent, right? Uh, who uh, what's the word? Loves butts. <laughs> she loves butts. She loves horses. She loves zombies. <laughs> she loves Pimp Jimmy Pesto. 
she loves seven other guys with the names that begin with a J. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is totally inept. Yeah. Uh, she is not a nerd in that she's not necessarily super bright, but she is just so hyper-focused on the things that she is involved in, but also at the same time easily uh, manipulated <laughs> by her sister or by her brother or yeah. by her parents. She's also constantly defeated by like, right. everything and everyone around her. You know, she's this dork that runs with her arms at her sides. <laughs> she <laughs> thrashes around when she sleeps. And it, uh, reading about her and an episode came up where like, like someone suggested that she's autistic and her dad, Bob was just like, no, <laughs> she's just this dork. Sorry. But even if she was, that wouldn't necessarily preclude her from being a dork as well. Yeah. She is so, uh, so strange. Did you hear that, autistic listeners? <laughs> <laughs> You're not immune from our scorn. We will come after you. We treat we treat everybody the same. Yeah. There can be, you know, autistic nerds and autistic cool people and autistic dorks. We would be disrespecting you not to make fun of you. <laughs> uh, she has like these really strange moments of like overconfidence when the things that she's into come up. Like yeah. she is so unembarrassed about like her fan fiction about butts and zombies <laughs> and reading them in front of the class. But at the same time, she, you know, she'll just get shot down uh, in every other situation. Yeah. And she's just I, this most, she's probably my favorite character on Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. And just, she's a character that you would think would get overlooked if she was a middle child, but she's not, she's the eldest. Yeah. yeah. And like her rotten younger sister and her, you know, super obnoxious. I mean, her, Sister is obnoxious yeah, right. too, but uh, Jean is just as obnoxious. Like <laughs> they so overpower her, and even though she's the eldest, she is never ever in a position of power. Yeah, like if the parents go out of town, they have to still find a babysitter for her as well because they just <laughs> that even those small victories she can't she can't win those because yeah. she's so untrustworthy and a dork <laughs> and she's always going to do the wrong thing, but she's so earnest in the things that she loves and her world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just think she's special and we've, great. We've talked about Napoleon dynamite before, and that was a mm. movie that had such a surprising success. And then an amazing in its embrace, it became I can't believe I didn't think of him. I almost became just like hated that movie just because of all the vote for Pedro shirts. And Mm -hmm. actually many times I had to parody it in corporate communications projects and things like that. Oh no. Yeah. We did so many uh, vote for Pedro spoofs and things like that. Are any of these online? I unfortunately no. No. no, no. Um, When we, when we do, uh, the Hopcast one day. The Hopcast, yeah. And it's just, Which could be much better than this cast. It's just, just Jeff's life story. It's just 12 minutes each episode. It's just a small story from Jeff Hawkins in his own yeah. words. But I think his his unabashed inability to go beyond his dorkosity. And, you know, a lot of people, you, you almost become even more dorky for trying to hide it. I love how she just doesn't try to hide it. It's just this open wound. She just loves butts. <laughs> she loves butts so much. That's what I think is so great about... Uh, as the time we live in right now where there's so many uh, ways that people with special interests could connect with each other, that the thing which would have made you unattractive and vulnerable before almost is now the thing that makes you cool and able to connect with so many people. I think that's a, a very good and specific point in that 
you don't have to be ostracized yeah. no matter what you're into. There is a forum for that. There's a Facebook. Especially inter- online. Yeah. This is just, like yeah. you're connected worldwide to everybody. And if one hundredth of a percent of the population is into, uh, you know, butts and zombies and uh, uh, horses, you'll find someone else yeah. that you can I mean, talk I, to and be into it with. As someone who's been a part of an RBI baseball message board and flown around the country to meet these guys for the last 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of see that a little bit. If this wasn't if this wasn't fictional dorks, Richard, you would be 100%. That's why I made sure we said fictional dorks for this episode. Also fictional cool guys, though, so I could have been in both. Yeah. Sure. All right. You bet. Richard, your last, this is your last for this episode. Might be your, your last. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how it goes. What's going on here? It's a threat. That's that's, that's <laughs> Mount Rushmore of real world threats. <laughs> Rushmore of oh fuck. Um, my last choice, Willa Rosenberg from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, tell tell me what her. I have not seen one episode of Buffy. High five. Strange thing what? is, strange thing is, I that's not something to be proud of. I, eh, I, I, I they came around the comic book store up the, in Santa Barbara. What did? Oh, all these guys from uh, Buffy. Oh, they, they did? Oh, when I was in college. Oh, because the, the, the show is based on, like, in basically Santa Barbara. <laughs> uh, they uh, The cast would often, on many weekends a year. Oh, really? I'm sure either they, a bunch of people lived up here, or but they would come over to Metro Comics, and it would be a signing with... You know, Fill in the blank from Buffy Seth or from Green Angel. or something. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Sorry, that's that's the only connection I have to Buffy, and I'm sh- I know that you know talking about people that have a unre- uh, unabashed love of something. I know that the Buffy universe is something that some people are just like so gung ho about. Well, my, well, Sarah went to a uh, Buffy con. There you go. Once and got to meet all wow. the characters and do a meet and greet and hang out and all that <laughs> shit. So there she, you go. She could have just come to Metro Comics up on uh, Anna Kappa. Apparently she blew it. <laughs> Since you two have never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, seriously guys, God damn it. It's a character, it's kind of the character that kind of, I think, goes through the most change okay. in the show. So when Buffy first transfers into the high school, uh, Willow is like a the dork's dork. Mm. I mean, just science club, computer club, dress. I think one of the put downs someone says is basically says, hey, to love, you know, that outfit, did you get it at Sears or something like that? It's like she's just dorkiest of dorks. Yeah. And it really, and then through the course of being part of the Scooby gang and kind of helping Buffy out, she winds up discovering kind of her inner strength mm-hmm. and winds up also discovering that she has the ability to do magic oh cool which is a good yeah trick to have yeah kind of makes you less of right they're no dorky kind of witches or magicians or like you know wizards hmm. right yeah. like merlin was merlin wasn't a dork or anything right probably hermione granger from harry potter oh i, I was thinking about putting her on the list and i was hmm. I, I was yelled at by by both vivian and sarah that she is not a dork Oh, she yeah. was very smart, mm-hmm. and she's maybe a nerd. She, she's more of a nerd than a dork. Yeah, yeah. she mm-hmm. was. She liked school. Yeah, she liked learning everything that the other two didn't or were against. Right, and 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 Willow had a lot of that too. She was even dorkier and nerdier and more into books and research than Buffy's handler Giles, who was the stuffy British kind of know it all. So, I think her character, and by the end, she winds up. Going, going off to college, just discovering she's a lesbian, getting a girlfriend, 
winds up getting too powerful with her magic and flaying Hold people, on. flaying me, people alive. Let me write this down. Buffy the Vampire. Okay, okay, I'm gonna check. Do not this do, out. do not do Buffy the Vampire Layer. That's a different, <laughs> that's a different. That's a Friends episode, I believe. <laughs> um, it winds up, you know, abusing her powers mm-hmm. and oh. flaying people alive Big before journey. kind of coming. That's a giant journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's still this inner dork, even as she mm-hmm. grows and matures and becomes like an actual like woman. Yeah. So yeah, I just I, I felt like that she need we needed I needed a female. I thought I felt like I, we were all going to be dudes here, and we needed to have a little bit female female representation for the dorks out there. Well, there you go, right on. There we are. All right, uh, Mike, Mikey, my last Uncle one. Mikey, Uncle Mikey, my last one is Milton Wadhams. Oh, so good from Office Space. Uh, it is the dorky again hapless. Just loser character that's been fired five years ago <laughs> that doesn't know he's been fired. He's still getting a paycheck. And uh, all he wants in life is to have some sort of spot, some sort of place, some sort of corner of this office yeah. to call home and to do his work, whatever that work may be. I don't mm-hmm. think he even knows. I don't even think they know. Yeah. And he, all, all he cares about is kind of being left alone and being just being and then he's you know always moved around Ugh. moved around to the worst part of the office into mm-hmm. the basement mm-hmm. it's discovered that uh you know they they bring in the group to kind of reevaluate their budget and reevaluate how they can save money and all their cost savings measures and they're they're like well this guy's uh technically he was fired 5 years ago so let's right. just Let's just stop paying him and hope that he just goes away. <laughs> yeah, I like they're like, well, we'll send somebody up to. No, we'll just. Nope. Well, the, the problem will solve it. So stop sending his paychecks and the problem will solve itself. And he's just so pathetic as yeah. a character, but then also is the one that takes it upon himself and to, ultimately snaps. To torch the place. <laughs> you know, it's See, that one of these days going to burn the place down. They, they finally take his red, his red stapler, which is the only thing he cares about. And he just wants to get that. He just wants that piece of cake. Yeah. The birthday cake. And there's that great line where he's, uh, he's just like, the, the ratio of people to cake isn't right. <laughs> he's calculated it and he's, he can see and he knows he's not going to get that cake. And then that's it. He's just going to blow the place up. And just <laughs> there, there are some characters that uh, don't, <laughs> don't change. And they're yeah. just, they just are who they are mm-hmm. for forever. Is he not the first part? The first thing that Mike Judge created for Office Space, he was actually a character before Office Space. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. he was on a cart. He was on a, an SNL short, and he was just called Milton. Okay, right. I don't think it was Stephen Root that was doing the voice. Uh-huh. It was just this weird. It was probably probably Mike oh, Judge. Probably yeah. Mike Judge. It, for me, that tells an interesting story. If the entire, uh, if we would just say everybody in corporate America is a complete dork, and that that was the Milton character was kind of this little touchstone that that entire thing sprung from in a way or he was always this foundational element even though a lot of people when they think of office space they think of like the michael bolton character or right. those rappers or the flickers what is that i forget spark, the spark or uh, flare flare, flare yeah. you know the jennifer <laughs> oh, aniston oh yeah the, yeah the restaurant do you think it's okay to have the minimum amount of flair <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you're right because i was, I was going to comment that there's a lot of characters from this movie who could make this list mm-hmm. frankly michael bolton could have easily been on this list. Yeah. Except I think he's too self-aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like the difference. Like Michael Bolton's a dork. 
but he's self-aware of his like yeah he whatever know, he is he yeah. knows his lot in life and and milton's just like this yeah impervious just doesn't understand it yeah i i harp on institutions but it seems like that is the the wall here that these characters are thrown up against and they survive when they decide like that ron livingston character to actually knock down the wall and, and right. not, not deal on the, the institution in its terms, but to do it in his own. Whereas uh, Milton is just looking for any little scrap of territory he can find and he gets it pulled away from him the whole Every time. Every time, yeah. throughout the entire thing. Yeah, that's a funny, funny choice. Okay, am I right that this is it? This is it. This is why we play the game. Now, we went double or nothing. We are leveraging this across two episodes. These guys... I worked really hard to make some really interesting choices. The last episode was about fictitious cool guys, and this episode's fictitious dorks. We're kind of realizing that they often occupy, if not the same person, the same space in storytelling, that they have a symbiotic uh, relationship, that they need each other somewhat. And sometimes um, you can't have one without the other. That's just reiterating what I just said. So, okay. So what we did not do at the end of the fictitious cool guys episode is judge it. Uh, so I'm going to do that right now. Uh, my choices were really hard to make. You know, Richard had a really good kind of theme. And so did Michael. Um, they, the choices I have are as follows. Fonzie, because he's an archetypal, really kind of influential, cool guy from the fourth quarter of the 20th century and we still kind of think of him as prototypical Chris Knight because I thought it was a really interesting choice a real deep cut somebody hadn't even thought about and it was a shape of things to come a herald if you will of this era that we live in now in which technology and people who can deal with it in a very savvy way are now the cool people so geek chic before it was chic and then we have a split point McConaughey Kenzie. <laughs> Spuds McKenzie, Matthew McConaughey, and his Wooderson role combined. What if they made it? What if they made it? And the fourth choice is Buddy Love from the comedy The Nutty Professor, as played by Jerry Lewis and then later on Eddie Murphy. So, how does that go? Does that mean. There's a half point discrepancy. It means that the people that are carving this thing have a lot of work to do. If they're going to try to, to, they got, okay. Do they put McConaughey's head on a dog's body? Yeah. Or do they put a dog's body, a oh, or yeah, dog's head on McConaughey's I body? Bet it looks and like how s- weird would it be if Spuds McKenzie had abs? That would be so <laughs> what weird. If, <laughs> what if you just put McConaughey's head in a Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> just use Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker. Barker. Barker. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So here are my dork choices. Um, Eddie Deason as the prototypical dork from so many movies. A guy who probably, uh, unlike some of the actors who play dorks, can't take off the role when he goes home. He's still a dork. He, uh, Jerry Fleck, I thought he was a really great example of a person who embodies that dork that you just, that's so different from a nerd in that he's always going to kind of lose in a Sisyphean way. And then. I love the idea of the things that try to escort us out of the dorkiest part of our life in high school. And there's people that we talked about in the uh, nerd, or Miss Carr, the cool guy episode, and then there's music. So I really like the William Miller music dork from Almost Famous. And then in that she represents the unabashed, uh, can't stop being a dork even if you try, 
to the point where it probably makes her um, completely vulnerable but also impervious to judgment. That is Tina Belcher. So we split that one uh, two for two. All right, guys, how do we feel about I'm this exhausted. I'm tired. I need a... I need a fresca, Danny. Uh, part three of this episode is, <laughs> what? No, I, is no. a nap. <laughs> oh, okay, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> just, just, we're just going to fall asleep, <laughs> all, all three of us, and curl up like dogs. Uh, like thanks. Spuds McKenzie? Like Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> kind of drunk. <laughs> we are the dorks. You're the cool people. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I've been Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. God, mark that as delete. Okay. Did I kill something? No. Okay.